All right, this is episode one of First and Moose. I'm Connor Taylor. Alongside me today is Mark Schoen. So we're going to be doing this weekly, but we've got a we've got a couple of previews before. We've got about three coming up. I know we're about two and a half weeks out, but something last year on this date had pretty significant. I'd say I don't know if you've heard about this, Mark, but there is there's a QB. He he just quit. Or quit, retired, whatever you want to call it, two weeks before. I don't know if you followed that story much. Apparently, it was yeah, yeah, I, I, I caught wind of it. I caught, caught wind. wind of it. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. where were you? Do you remember well, where you were and stuff? Oh yeah. So obviously, referring to August twenty fourth, the day we're recording this, uh, a year ago, the year twenty nineteen, before we knew the horrors of twenty twenty. Uh, Mark Schoenster, myself. Uh, already started undergoing the horrors of the Andrew Luck retirement saga where he out of the blue in the well he was planning on retiring and in the middle of our third preseason game it got leaked that he was retiring while he was there in the field uh just on the sideline unbeknownst that this fact had been revealed to the rest of the world and I I do remember where I was I was currently uh I was at my girlfriend's uh dorm room at the time and I was just, you know, chilling there. And then I got tagged in a post by someone on Twitter. And it said, and I remember verbatim, it said, uh, pray for at sports, which is my Twitter handle, dot, 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 I feel robbed. And I was like, oh, no, did like Darius Leonard, like tear his ACL in practice today or something? <laughs> like, did we lose a player for the season? Because heaven forbid that happened. And then, and then I read the article and I, I read the tweet, the Adam Sheffer tweet. And I looked over it like five or six times because I just I could not comprehend what I was reading it was easy to read it would it left nothing up to interpretation but I just could not believe what I was reading and then I was just in shock for the rest of the day and then I I wore my Andrew Luck jersey the next day just because I felt like earning the uh the grievances of everyone around me who who knew what was going on I got so many apologies that day you know what I needed it (laughs) I needed to. I needed to go one last lap with him. I don't know if I've worn it since then, but I still have it here in my apartment. So maybe, maybe I'll rock it this season at some point in time. Now that it's been a whole year, a little time for the wound to heal, and we got Philip Rivers in a quarterback now. Yeah, I mean that was, I think probably at least since I pay attention to the NFL, and at least in the last decade, to me, like one of the biggest shocking retirements, mm-hmm. easily to me. I was. Yeah. I was dumbfounded. I was like, whoa, that is nuts. And I, I thought of you right away. I was like, man, Mark's because I don't know any other Colts fans. So I was like, this right, really right. it's not a not a good day for Mark by any man by any means. But today we are previewing the AFC. We're going to ask the biggest questions for every team heading into the season. We'll do AFC this week and then NFC next week. And I thought I thought we would start out with the the AFC North we could start out okay. with with the Ravens yeah now. so just to give it kind of an idea um basically because it's kind of hard for us to survey every single aspect of every single team this season uh with especially in one whole conference and in a you know hour-long episode we decided to kind of congel it to what is the big question that you want to look for an answer this season with each of these teams, but the Ravens. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify kind of what my interpretation of the, the yeah, theme totally. of this episode is. And we'll, we'll go, we'll both, we both have questions. Uh, we didn't 
uh, prepare together. So maybe some will match. Probably most of them won't. Who knows, though? But but my question for the Ravens isn't necessarily about the Ravens. It's actually about other teams. It's can other teams adapt to Lamar Jackson this season? Yeah, because yeah, I know that's a good I question. know I know a lot of like times like schemes like we had the Rams one year make the Super Bowl and then they seemed, you know it almost seemed like they, they faded away last year. And I think one set that I found really interesting was Jackson is 16 and two when he plays an opposing defense for the first time. And then he's huh. three and three in his rematches. And I know it's a small sample size, but maybe there's something there. Possibly yeah. not. I think they're still going to be great. And I think it's the fact that one of my biggest questions for them is can other teams handle them shows how good they are. But yeah, it's an interesting thing because, you know, it's a question we've been asked of in the past with the likes of like Robert Griffin, the third and in more effectively Colin Kaepernick when, you know, he was a successful NFL player and you wondered, will defenses be able to adapt to it? But each time we've had to ask the question of the read option opposite offense, it's been a situation where there's a quarterback even more fit to run it than the last. Yeah. Like Lamar Jackson is better than Colin Kaepernick. He's better than RG three. So can you stop him? And my question kind of falls along with that, which is how does Jackson follow up his MVP season? That's my question. And, you know, you talk about, will defenses be able to handle it? My question is, if there is a defense that learns how to handle it, is Lamar Jackson ready to run a more traditional styled offense where he has to just step back and make some passes to open up the box again? So then Ingram, Jackson, and, you know, I guess J.K. Dobbins now can – run amok with the this new new style offense that Greg Roman runs that is really awesome I mean really enjoyable yeah. to watch yeah I think it would be interesting to see which wide receiver because they didn't play many close games so we're going to see who mm. who comes in clutch at the end but the yeah, next definitely. team I had was the the Steelers I know it's close to Morgantown we have way too many Steelers fans around I here agree. most <laughs> I've ever been around in my life but to me it's kind of like can this team stay healthy slash can Big Ben stay on the field? He's only yeah. played four times a full season in a 16-year career. He's claiming he's throwing without pain this year and stuff like that. But the, the biggest stat that I found on them was the Pittsburgh faced the fourth most box defenders in the NFL last year, which obviously mm-hmm. didn't have many – they didn't have a QB basically last year. They, yeah. they played with awful QB. So you get that in there, you know, you've got Juju back, James Conner back, hopefully be able to, you know, catapult their team. They had a great defense, and it's just, it's just can their offense stay healthy is my question. Yeah, and my question is, really, out of all of them, all of my uh, questions on the sport end with a question mark, except for this one. It's more of a statement that I don't know the answer to. And the statement is, the floor is a playoff team for the Steelers. The roof, though, is up to Big Ben. Mm-hmm. in my opinion, because this team almost made the playoffs last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback, lacking James Conner, lacking Juju Smith-Schuster. So this team is built and ready to go. This defense is just as good as it was last year. They're going to terrorize offenses all season long. But can Big Ben return back to old Big Ben form? And can he stay healthy? That's very true. It's a matter of this team could go anywhere from being a wild card team to contending for a Super Bowl if Big Ben comes back and is firing on all cylinders again, which I doubt will happen. But it's still a potential possibility. Other quarterbacks have come back from injury before and have torn it up. Peyton Manning, others, other examples are out there too. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think they can make the playoffs. I think it is it is truthful. It's up to Big Ben, and he's old. He's 38 this year, so it's going to be interesting to see that for sure. The, the next I have is the Browns, and my biggest question for them is, can Baker Mayfield basically bounce back? And he threw 21 combined picks last year, and he threw that many picks in all his three seasons at Oklahoma. So wow. that's, that's pretty – Good pick. It's, it's a, different, <laughs> a different life for him he experienced last year. And then I've got two more stats, and I'll leave my favorite one for last. But when targeting Beckham and Landry, Mayfield ta- tallied 10 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. So I think he's got to spread that ball out way more this year. And I think if he does that, he can bounce back. But my favorite stat, and you'll, you'll see why it's my favorite stat a little bit later on in it, but Mayfield had 15 interceptions from a clean pocket. And only oh three other QBs in the PFF database have ever thrown more in a single season. One was Jameis Winston last year. One right. was Brett Favre in 2006. And then my favorite stat, Eli Manning did it three times in 2007, <laughs> yeah. in 2010, and 2013. There Remember? you go. Yeah. So I, I snuck in the Eli Manning hate less than there 10 you minutes go. into the pod. There you go. It'll be the first of many. We'll, we'll have to yeah. count up uh, an Eli Manning <laughs> here. Um, no, Baker Mayfield isn't playing Big 12 defenses anymore. That's incredibly evident in, in his time in the NFL. And I think it's very easy to go to looking at him to see what the season looks like. You've got the talent on defense. You've got weapons on offense. You've got a quarterback who in his rookie year showed flashes of maybe being the guy for the franchise. And then last year threw 15 interceptions when targeting two different guys. Like it, it goes to, and he did it with clean pocket in mind. Like it, it goes to show you that he's been struggling and my thought is, I, I tried to twist it outside of Baker Mayfield and go, how much better is Stefanski going to be than Freddie Kitchens? Because for me last year, it was kind of confounding how much poor uh, Baker Mayfield did throughout the span of the year. And one of the main differences between this past season and the season before that was Freddie Kitchens came in and everything was an organizational mess for the Browns. They were committing penalties. Play calling was questionable a lot of the time. Baker Mayfield started making poor decisions. How much of that falls on Kevin Stefanski and how much of that, or not Kevin, sorry, excuse me, on Freddie Kitchens. And how much is that going to get fixed with Stefanski now uh, at the helm of the Cleveland Browns? We don't really know too much about him. He's not had a very long career in premier coaching positions. He was only offensive coordinator for two years in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. And so we don't have a lot to base it off of. So it'll be curious to see how, a Stefanski coached football team looks, especially with the amount of talent the Browns have. Yeah, they, they've got tons of talent. And last year they were probably the most hyped up team easily. Oh my gosh. And the, the hype style died down a lot this year, but it's, I feel like it's going to grow there. I could see them getting a hot start and then the hype just skyrocketing. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see if the coaching change actually helps Baker and just helps the team in general but the the last team in the AFC North is the Bengals we have and my question is is can they win close games basically last year they're 0 and 8 in one possession games and yeah. is is Joe Burrow enough to be able to change that I know you got AJ Brown this year 
Zach Taylor is going to be able to scheme it up enough. And Joe Mixon hopefully being healthy and be able to run well this year. But can Joe Burrow put them over that edge where they're, they're winning closer games? I don't expect much of them this year. I doubt we'll talk about them a ton during the year because I have low expectations. I can see mm-hmm. us talking about Joe Burrow. But that's, that's my question for them is basically is Joe Burrow enough to win them close games, which I'm not sure yet because he only had one. You know, we're still up in the air if he's – to me, at least me, I'm, is he legit or not? I'm still a little bit slow on him. Yeah, we'll be curious to see how he faces some adversity this season. Obviously, he has his junior year where he had to struggle with a not as good LSU team as last year's was. But you could definitely still chalk up, is he got that clutch gene? I'm pretty confident in Joe Burrow. I'm not going to say Joe Burrow is the next big man in the NFL, but I think he can really make it in the NFL. My question for the Bengals, uh, I kind of tried to steer away from Joe Burrow just a little bit because of sort of obvious headlines. Uh, My question is, Joe Burrow has the pieces, but will the defense allow him to win games? So you you, you went to crunch time on Joe Burrow. My question goes on to the other side of the ball, which is, will the defense actually let him win a football game? Because that roster is in shambles. The defensive line struggled last year. They did add DJ Reader, though. Hopefully he can help them out. The linebacking core is incredibly questionable. You've got a lot of new pieces on that secondary and a bunch of new signees at cornerback who have proven themselves elsewhere. But, you know, a secondary is very dependent on cohesion and on all the pieces fitting together and working well together. So especially in year one of a secondary, it's typically pretty rough. So will the defense make enough stops that make it so that offense, which has a lot of good pieces for Joe Burrow to grow with, uh, will they allow them to win games or are they just going to be a revolving door and it's just going to be impossible for a rookie quarterback to keep up with whoever they're playing with? Yeah, because obviously a lot of people are high on Joe Burrow and yeah, we don't, you don't want to see that situation where he's just in a bad situation his whole, whole career and you're wondering, man, what could this guy have done? You know, we've got mm-hmm. like someone like Matthew Stafford, you know, you wonder right, that right. question, what could he have done? You've, I don't know, but you could argue maybe Sam Darnold, what could he be doing if he was in a better situation? But I think we can move on to a different conference. I've got the AFC East up next. And I thought, I thought we could start with the Patriots. All right. And, you know, obviously they had that big signing. And I'm not, I'm not a big camp fan, but he's, he's weirdly grown on me as he went to the Patriots. But I, I went away from Cam as my question. And I went with how will Belichick lose a pick this year? Because obviously, I, I just think the, the world is setting up around him where he's going to find a way to cheat this year. And with all, <laughs> with all the people opting out and stuff, and like this is, this is like a prove-it year for Belichick. Like you lose Brady, and obviously he didn't plan on like the most NFL players on a team opting out this year. Mm-hmm. But I think he's like – going to work hard he's always been knowing i i read the book about him by Eno connor belichick uh probably two years ago and i have a story yeah. from it a little, a little quote and this is uh, a dude quoting him about when he played lacrosse he said um he taught me how to make my lacrosse stick illegal and then fix it before the ref could catch you he strung it loose <laughs> the depth of the pocket in those days the depth could no longer be no longer deeper than the ball he made it extra deep if someone on the other team said i had an illegal stick bill showed me how to pull a string to tighten it up and then hand it to the ref so my 
it's he's been a cheater his whole life and i love belichick the 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 bill belichick uh is a cheater podcast <laughs> but, but we're gonna slander eli manning <laughs> and slander bill belichick so we get both ends of the both ends of the, of the spectrum here yeah and i i just some with fake crowd noise is my is my guess this year he's gonna he's gonna figure something out to get a competitive edge so it's interesting how different my answer is with it still being the exact same question because my question is what does bill have in store for us this season and i didn't really think of it from the perspective of what kind of like dirty schemes he's going to come up with but how is he going to handle this now in shambles defense but how is he going to handle running an offense without tom brady now this is this is such new territory for the patriots it's been like 20 years since people have questioned really genuinely questioned like there's always been the is the dynasty over question but really genuinely look at the Patriots and look at them and think, is this a team that can win football games? Because you don't really know. Cam Newton's looked good in practice, apparently, but Cam Newton isn't Tom Brady. So how does Bill Belichick work with Cam Newton as opposed to Brady or I guess Jared Stidham is there as well. And I think Bill's up for the challenge. I think Bill almost is frothing at the mouth to prove that he's a great coach, not only now without Brady, but without a lot of key players. Uh, quick story about Belichick. Uh, over the summer, I took part of this uh, this podcast where we went over weird sport history, and we covered uh, the year that the NFL players went on strike. And so they hired just random Joe Schmoes from around the world to to run teams for the first four weeks of the NFL season. And Bill Belichick at the time was the defensive coordinator of the Giants. And he took a lot of time and effort in developing an entirely new defensive scheme for this Giants defense that no longer had Lawrence Taylor, no longer had any of the familiar NFL names on that team. Instead, he had just a bunch of random dudes who they hired two weeks ago, and he had to simplify and create a defense that would work. And he worked very hard at it and wanted to make it work. So I'll be curious to see if we see that kind of build Pelichek again this season with an entirely different Patriots team from last year. I'm, I'm honestly, I don't think I've ever been this excited for a Patriots team. Cause I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't cheer for a Patriots team, but I, I kind of want them to do well. Cause I fall on the side that Belichick means more to the Patriots dynasty than Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always been very much a, as much as Bill Belichick rubs me wrong. I, I very much believe Bill Belichick is just a brilliant football coach. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited to see what he does. And honestly, I think Spygate, Deflategate, all that stuff is, kind of funny to me so i'd be fine mm-hmm. if something comes out where <laughs> he has a little scandal this year but moving on we've got the bills and my question is there's been some reports coming out basically uh cole beasley was qu- quoted he is playing more confident than ever talking about josh allen my question is right. is more confidence enough for josh allen does that does that really matter i know we always get those training camp things with beat writers and stuff like this player is more confident they worked out they they hit the gym this year well guess what Josh Allen other QBs do the same thing and they they come into the season more confident and I know yet at weapons this year Stefan Diggs and stuff but like is is that going to be enough like is is Josh Allen willing to make that step and is you know them claiming that he's showing more leadership and throwing balls that he wouldn't dare to throw is is that going to be enough for the the bills to make that leap this year yeah that's a good question and you know something about the bills that always stands out to me 
is just how stacked this roster is right now. This depth chart is fantastic. It's probably, in my opinion, one of the most complete rosters in the league behind, like, the Ravens. And, I mean, there's not a lot of teams I can think of that have as good of a depth chart. There's just two spots that I have question marks. One of them is Josh Allen, which is a pretty important question mark. But for me, my question is about that other group, and that is how will the offensive line hold up in year two? They were they were okay last year, and they're having a lot of pieces return this season, but there's still a question of will they be good enough to make this Bills team a great team? Because all the other pieces, they lead to this team being fantastic. The Stefan Diggs was the signing they needed, the trade they needed, because now suddenly that receiving core is fantastic. I am a huge proponent of having a number one wide receiver, like a true number one wide receiver, it does so much for a wide receiving core when a guy has to be schemed to stop, has to be double teamed, has to all these things. Because then guys like John Brown, guys like Cole Beasley are going to be incredibly effective when they don't have as much attention on them. You think Bill O'Brien agrees with you? Uh, we're going to talk about that later because <laughs> I, I actually, my, my thing about the Texans has to do with that a lot. I'm, I'm shocked that, uh, I'm not shocked actually that you're bringing that up because I'm kind of bringing this up now to tee it in for later with the Texans. Um, but that offensive line, will they let Josh Allen be that successful? Because obviously it's up to Josh Allen to make this team a Super Bowl contending team. Because if Josh Allen proves to have a good year, this team could be competing for a Super Bowl. That's how good this roster is. I am a very pro Bills person this season. I, and I, I don't think anyone despises the Bills. Everyone loves the Bills Mafia. Yeah. No, they've, they've been bad for, for a long time. So I feel like people are fine with them being good and then, you know, kicking out the Patriots. But it, it'll be interesting to see how Josh Allen and that offensive line, those are two probably most of the important positions on offense. Yeah, that's a big so thing. It's, it's going to be interesting. But I, I have the Jets up next. And my question is, is Adam Gase the right guy? Because – it's a good question. It's either Sam Darnold or Adam Gase this year to me. If if they have another bad year, they 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 gotta they gotta change one or the other. They can't mm-hmm. they can't keep on going the same way. And uh, the last three offensives that Gase has called plays for have finished thirty first, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh in efficiency. So. Well, that backs up my opinion of Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe Sam Darnold could be good, but I, I'm not a huge fan of Gase. And, Mark, have you heard the, the story about his, his child being born, Adam Gase? No, I can't say I have. All right, well, I've got a – it's kind of unrelated. Some people tied into leadership and him and stuff like that and being kind of like, I guess, pulled back and not very personal. But this, this is his wife being quoted here. He goes – she goes, so they pulled the baby out of me and said, it's a boy, Jennifer says. They didn't even put my organs back and sew me up before he's like, you good? I said, yeah, I'm good. He said, all right, then I'm out. They said, you want to cut the umbilical cord? He said, no, I'm good and left. And then he met Peyton Manning like two hours later or something like at 2 p.m., and Peyton Manning was like shocked he was there. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like this is the most crazy story about Adam Gates. That is insane. That is like, that's level, that's like sociopathic levels right <laughs> there. Like Adam Gase, I don't know how many emotions that man holds. I don't want to talk too much trash about any individual person, but Adam Gase baffles me sometimes. And 
And when you say Sam Darnold or Adam Gase, I'm very pro Sam Darnold and I'm very anti Adam Gase. So that would be my stance on it. But obviously during the season, that narrative could change, but I, that is an astounding story. <laughs> yeah, the a first, lot to unpack there. <laughs> the, the first time I read it, I started dying laughing because I was like, this is so interesting. But It's bizarre. Yeah, my question is, uh, along those lines, is where is Darnold's help coming from? Because my, when I look at this roster, when I look at this depth chart for the Jets, there is not a lot to draw inspiration from, especially with Jamal Adams gone now. That defense... Uh, the defensive line is decent. They are very good at stopping the run. But outside of that, you, you don't have to worry too much about stopping the run if you're getting passed all over oblivion uh, instead, which then puts it on Sam Darnold, who has a mending offensive line right now. They're trying to get better. And then you have a receiving core that just lost Robbie Anderson, who, I mean, without a noon one there, was their best receiver. And you don't have a noon one either. I just don't know where does Sam Darnold get – help from this guy can win you games Sam Darnold was incredible last season in the stretch that he actually played near the end of the year can anybody else on the team win a football game for him though because he can't do it every time especially with this roster so that's my question is where who else is going to win Jets football games except for Sam Darnold you're telling me you're not a believer in the Duke grad Jamison Crowder I I like Crowder, but I don't think Crowder is a number one receiver, and I don't think Crowder is going to win you single-handedly football games. Yeah, I'd put a, I'd put him at like a wide receiver three, but yeah. maybe maybe low end wide receiver two. Two, yeah, I do like I think I like him as a two. Yeah, but it'll it'll be interesting, and I and I love Sam Darnold as well. Not a big Adam Gase guy, so <laughs> yeah. we we've got our last team in this division, the Dolphins. And my, my question is more not necessarily like tactics or anything like that, but more of kind of like a, a concept uh, more philosophy by the Dolphins this year. And, and is, are they ready to play Tua? Like, mm-hmm. will, will they be willing to do it? They've, I think they've got four new offensive lines starters this yeah. year. So it's like, do you want to put them behind that is the question. And then, I mean, it's going to take more than one year to rebuild. There's no point of throwing it in the fire this year. In my opinion, might as well just leave Ryan Fitzpatrick win a couple games or something. I, I think just be patient, but it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to play him this year or if they're, or if they just say, you know what, we, we won't play you this year. So yeah, uh, their philosophy on the Tua situation is going to be interesting to look into. Uh, I am a firm believer in if Fitzmagic is on a football team, Fitzmagic plays. It just happens no matter what you do. <laughs> it just happens. So uh, we'll see if that narrative continues this season for me. Um, along those same lines of how you're you're concerned about whether this team is worth putting Tua on, I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit and ask the question, can they control the game through running the ball? That's my question because now – Last season, the running back core was forgettable at best. And the offensive line last year for running was awful at best. And together, it combined to make an absolutely abysmal running game that was ridiculously bad. It was terrible. Their yards per average or yards per carry for all of their running backs was phenomenally bad. But now you have Matt Breida 
Now you have Jordan Howard, two running backs who have proven to be successful in the past. And you've got a, an attempt at fixing an offensive line here, new guys. Can you actually control the pace of the game running the ball? Because you need to be able to run the ball at least somewhat to win football games. You've got the running backs to do it. And you're trying to build an offensive line to actually successfully block for run plays. Can they make that work? Because that's probably going to be a huge indicator as to whether it's worth starting Tua this season or not. Are, are you a believer in Tua, Mark, to be able to, I guess, be a franchise guy? I really like Tua Tagovailoa. I think that he can, whether he will or not, remains to be seen. I do like the Brian Flores uh, coached offense, though, or the Brian Flores Dolphins team, excuse me. I liked what he did last season. The miraculous work he did to turn that team around within a year was phenomenal. Their defense looks good. Tua has a task ahead of him. It's going to be a challenge. I think he's up for it, whether he stays healthy and whether the coaching staff's there for him. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I think he can do it. Yeah, I, I honestly, not even like talent-wise, I believe in him too, but just like from like hearing stories and reading stories about him at Alabama – and be able to do the things he did there at such a young age, I, I think that's someone that can help turn around a franchise in dire need of hopefully turn around to be a competitive football club. And But we've, got, we've just covered the AFC East and the AFC North. So we've got the AFC South and AFC West left. But we're going to take a quick break. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, that's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast, and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. FM to get started. All right, we are back. I'm still Connor Taylor, and he's still Mark Schoenster. That hasn't and changed. That, that hasn't changed, but what changed is what teams were, were covering through the second half of the AFC. And what's changed a lot with this team is the Texans. And oh I think gosh, we're yes. – it's who's going to replace – Hawkins. It's a pretty simple question. Uh, Brandon Cooks, five concussions in the last six seasons. Randall Cobb, 30 years old. Will Fuller missed 20 games in the past three seasons. Yeah, I mean, who's yeah. going to replace the production? I understand that you're getting at David Johnson. They're, they're going to run him a lot. And I, I honestly, I'm kind of high on David Johnson fantasy-wise, not, not football-wise in a way, because I think it's yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going to they're feed the man a lot. But it's it's going to be interesting and is is bill o'brien like how much longer does he have to keep on messing around with the texan and and messing around with our hopes but well your question falls right into mine so i'll just put mine out there and we can, can talk about it kind of 
combined. Originally, my question was going to be about Brandon Cooks, but after talking to Nicholas Severini, another guy who is on the U92 radio staff, uh, we broadened it out to just the bigger question, which is, can Bill O'Brien justify this offseason? Because he has been wheeling and dealing, and every single time he has, it is garnered tons of criticism from me included. I was astounded at the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And it makes you wonder exactly what on earth is this guy doing? But can he prove that his moves as a general manager can be justified on the field? And the biggest one for me in that regard is the Brandon Cooks acquisition because he got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. And going back to what I said earlier about the Bills, and we kind of talked about a little bit about the Texans earlier, is that having a a top-notch number one receiver or just having a number one receiver that acquires separate game planning for is so critical to a wide receiving core and it makes every other wide receiver twice as good and makes them look so much better when they have to double man the number one guy or they have to figure out specific zone coverages to make sure this guy doesn't start you know eating up yards and making play after play can Brandon Cooks be that I don't think so I don't think Brandon Cooks has that capability, but he might be able to do so. We'll see with uh, Deshaun Watson throwing the ball to him, who is a phenomenal quarterback. I just don't see it out of him. And if he can, though, then Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, uh, Fells, they're all going to look really good, especially with then Duke Johnson and David Johnson out of the backfield, who are going to be catching a lot of passes as well, both being very similar in design as running backs, just David Johnson having the more successful career. Uh, But in the end, can these moves that Bill O'Brien make, are they going to be justified on the field this season? I'm a doubter, but I could be proven wrong. I mean, I have before. I mean, even if the production's good, can you still justify what he got back for Hopkins? I mean, Diggs, yeah, I don't know. theoretically, I mean, really got more yeah, from my did. perspective. And I think Hopkins is better than Diggs. So even if they have a great season, like, can it still be justified? I mean, I think we'll forget about it and be like, okay, like he knew what he was doing. But I mean, I think it's going to be hard to look back and be like, that's what you got for Hopkins. Well, I guess the biggest thing is, is how David Johnson does. Cause that's the main difference between the Diggs trade outside of the first round picks yeah. and the Hopkins trade is that they acquired a guy who has been really good in the past. Can he obtain that level of play again? Which again, I, I, I doubt that David Johnson can reach that level again whether you like him in fantasy or not, I, I don't know if he could do it. Maybe mm-hmm. he can. I, I have my doubts. We'll see if it works out. But that's probably the indicator right there of if that Hopkins trade was worth it because, geez, did it look like a terrible decision at yeah. the time it happened. And, and, I, and also, like, how does he do in Arizona? Like, if he has a great season, it's going to look bad. Or if he has a bad season, then it'll right. look okay. So it's going to be true. dependent on if we believe in Cliff Kingsbury or not. Mm-hmm. we can we can move on to another team that i feel like people are like do we believe in them or not and that's the titans yeah and my question is like was last year real was this was this just a random flash in the pan or is this this going to be something that's legit i mean the titans are returning 10 of their 11 starters on the offense from last year and i mean a lot of people are expecting Tannehill and Henry to regress to some degree. I mean, it is expected. They had, they had great seasons. Tannehill became the second player in NFL history, which Joe Montana was the first to complete over 70% of his passes 
an average over nine yards per attempt. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just going to be hard to do again. And then obviously Henry had over 409 touches. So the production and how much they were doing it at is going to be, it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard to see. And I, and I like the Titans. I like Mike Vabral and stuff like that, but it's like, can, can they run it back? Can it happen again? And I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I'm not sure if they're going to be as great as they were last year. You know, I think, and it's a big thing to not overlook is can the defense replicate what they did in the playoffs last year? Because that defense stepped up because I mean, you can look at what Tannehill and what Derrick Henry did all day long, but that defense was asked a lot of them in all three of those playoff games. You had them going up against Tom Brady and the Patriots over and over and over again. The amount of drives in that game was insane. There wasn't a lot of scoring. There wasn't a lot of long drives. They were being asked to make stop after stop. And then in the second game, you had to stop Lamar Jackson. And that was also a tall order that they did over and over and over again. They let them creep back later in the game. But at that point, you already had so much of a lead on offense because the offense was clicking that you had some leeway. And then in the third game, you held the Chiefs for a little while. But Patrick Mahomes eventually did what Patrick Mahomes does, and you lost track of it. Can the defense do that again, not just for a playoff run, but for an entire season? I was very impressed with how they did. Uh, But my question is, uh, back on the offensive side, though, I just wanted to piggyback off of what you were saying. And it's the question, can Tannehill do it when Henry isn't rampant? Because Ryan Tannehill found a lot of success last year, and it's partially because the box was loaded to the brim trying to stop Derrick Henry, who was running like a wild bull at the end of the year, where he just couldn't be stopped. People just could not bring, literally could not bring him down, no matter how hard they tried. And Quintana Hill, who was running a lot of play actions, he had a lot of pretty simple reads to make, and he did it well. Credit to him. I enjoyed watching Tannehill last year. But when Henry, who has been always been a streaky running back, of sorts he always has like a stretch of games where he does really well and then he's kind of quiet for the rest of the season can Tannehill win games when that is the case when Henry is not in you know super saiyan mode and and can Tannehill when the box not loaded make some tough throws make some big plays because that was always a question of him in Miami if he can do that and he sometimes showed he could and other times he failed miserably and I'll be curious to watch how he can do especially now after making some big money this offseason so I, so I guess like if you had to bet money on who could repeat their season, Henry or Tannehill, it seems like you're leaning towards you believe Henry could do as well as last season. But- I'm skeptical of both. I'm skeptical of both doing as well. But Tannehill is – I think Tannehill is more reliant on Henry doing well than Henry is reliant on Tannehill doing well. I think Henry, if he's going to go off, he's going to go off no matter mm-hmm. what's going on around him. Whereas Tannehill, I think – I. I struggle to see him having as much success as he did last season if Henry is not in great form. Completely agree. So moving on to your favorite team, the Colts. That's right. And I know, I know we mentioned them earlier in this pod, and I, I just had a joke question down was, who unexpectedly, unexpectedly retires two weeks before oh, no. the season? <laughs> we're coming up on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really close to it. So, you know, there, there's questions. But I thought I would just let you you take it away. Obviously, I think maybe the QB would be the biggest question. Does Phillips still yeah, have yeah. it? I but think since it's... you're a Colts fan, you might as well take the floor here. Mm-hmm. I've tried really hard for the most part to not just ask, how will the QB do? 
there's a lot of AFC teams that mm-hmm. the QB is in question. Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Phillip Rivers. So I, I tried to, to avoid it, but this one still kind of has to do with Phillip Rivers. And it's the question, how much will be asked of Phillip Rivers? Because this Colts team has several good running backs on it and mm-hmm. has one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league. And you got Mar- – so just a list names. You got Marlon Mack, who has been getting reps these past few years. Does struggle to play all 16 games, though. You've got Naheem Hines, who is kind of like a project Darren Sproles of sorts. So I expect him to see some growth this year with Phillip Rivers. And then you've got now Jonathan Taylor, who I am entirely – just ecstatic about having it's I'm so excited to have him on this team I, I love Taylor he does so I mean he went to Wisconsin my dad went there so I I loved him in college and I hope he does well at the Colts so that's three guys who are really good and then there's Jonathan or Jordan Wilkins or Jonathan Wilkins why am I drawing a blank on his name I'm gonna have to look at this I'm ashamed of myself as a Colts fan Jordan Wilkins is his name I just remembered uh Jordan Wilkins is also there who had great uh yards per carry last season when you know he he got thrown every in every now and then and did well when his role was when his name was called. So you've got four guys who can take the ball and you have a great running line to run behind. And today, actually, I was reading a tweet. The Colts are kind of doing a sort of makeshift game day opera, uh, simulation, and one of the reporters said, uh, "I think the Colts might break the record this year for most passes to running backs." So these guys are going to have their hands on the ball a lot which then leads to me thinking everyone's talking about how Philip Rivers threw 20 interceptions last year and how he airs it out all the time. But how much is actually going to be expected of him? Because this running game is going to dominate this offense. It's going to be a run first offense, which I think bodes really well for Philip Rivers, given he's in the latter years of his career, that he does not have to throw for 400 yards to win a game. He can rely on the run game and then, run play action, find T.Y. Hilton, hopefully find Paris Campbell and other guys and make it work. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Colts, obviously last year there was high hopes going into the season. And this year yeah. I have probably close to as high hopes. I know it's going to be a different looking team. And I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to have to rely on Phillip Rivers that much. Mm-hmm. And because he is a gambler sometimes, but a lot of times he's, you know, their chargers, I feel like play behind a lot. I mean, I don't have a stat in front of me or anything, but at least watching the games, I always feel like Phillips having to chuck up, you know, bad passes just because Mm -hmm. he's trying to come back. Right, right. I don't think he's going to have to do that with you guys. I feel like you guys can control the tempo of the game, the game just itself and by run the ball. I mean, you do have three three great running backs back there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I very much agree. But the, the Jaguars, oh boy, which is, you know, oh boy, does, does describe it a lot. And I think mine's more of just a question about their franchise, their management in a way. And does, does anyone want to be there is my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Jacksonville doesn't have any other professional teams, so that could go one of two ways. Does just people not like Jacksonville? But also, you could also think of it in the facet that Jacksonville only has the Jaguars. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the West Virginia effect. Everyone loves the Mountaineers in West Virginia because they don't have any pro teams. And West Virginia is the only Power 5 college team. I would think that maybe if you're in Jacksonville, you really are attached to the Jaguars and you have a strong support. But it does seem like not a lot of people want to be a part of that organization. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> players constantly are asking out. I mean, there, there's one length article, pretty long one. It was just quotes about like execs and like reporters and stuff. But it was like, basically, they're just so young. They have no veteran players. It's like over and over again. It's like they're young. They're building with youth. And 30 players on the 90-man roster, which I know it's a little bit slimmer than that now, are rookies. And mm-hmm. it's about 75% have been the league four seasons or less. So it's a young yeah. squad and like just not a lot of veteran leadership. And, you know, they've had to ship people away. I know Leonard Fournette's asked, you know, to be traded and he's kind of taken the decline, but that it's just like an organizational question. Like what are they going to do? And I, I see Trevor Lawrence going there, honestly. would be. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned how young they are. They are, probably the youngest team in the NFL. And I, ha- I read this stat earlier, more than 70% of the Jaguars roster is 25 or younger, okay. which is absurd. That is a lot of young guys on the team, Yeah, which brings me to my question. This team's going to be terrible. This team is not going to be good. They might be the worst team in the NFL. I'd argue the Jets are also in that conversation, might be the worst team in the NFL, unless Sam Darnold can really just carry that team out of that. Um, I think the Jaguars are the worst team in the NFL, though. So my question is, where will we see growth this year? Because it's such a young team. You're going to see some improvements. We might see a very similar to how the Miami Dolphins were last year, where they looked abysmal at the beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, they kept the Patriots from getting a first-round bye and had won a couple, they had strung a couple of wins together. Maybe we see that from Jacksonville this year because of how young they are. I like DJ Chark. Uh, I don't know if I'm sold on Minshew Magic or Minshew Mania or whatever they're calling it down in Jacksonville as a long-term solution, but I'd be curious to see how he grows this year. And he, they're in a division where every single team is not exactly a stalwart powerhouse contender right now, like the next division we're going to talk about where it's going to be it is rough. Yeah. But we'll be, I'll be curious to see how which players come into their own. They have some promising pieces on defense. You got Josh Allen. You got Chase on now. I, I, I'm curious to see how, or not how, but who who steps up, who becomes the next players on these team, this team, because they are a far cry from that Saxonville team just a few years ago. Yeah, which I know a lot of people are showing. A lot of people, when I was reading, I'm sure in correlation between the Titans and Jacksonville, be like, well, if you see Jacksonville, they made that run, and then they're done. It's like, well, the Titans, well, the same thing happened, which I don't, I don't think it will. I think Titans have a better structure in place, at least I hope. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We can move on to our final division in the AFC, the AFC West. And I think we'll leave the Chiefs for last, the, the reigning champions. But I, I think I kind of want to start with the Chargers. And this is a question that every team's going to be asking themselves this year. But I think, obviously, it's going to affect the Chargers the most is how will they adjust without a home field advantage this year? <laughs> is, how will which, they handle it? How, how are they going to do it with no fans or lack of capacity or whatever they decide? I'm not sure what they decide. <laughs> but obviously, that's not my real question. But is a good defense good enough for them? basically, because I'm not super high on their offense. I mean, we got Tyrod Taylor possibly doing things, maybe Justin Herbert, but I I believe in their defense, but it's like, can they win? Is that defense good enough to win them games or like set up their offense where their offense doesn't have to do enough? I mean, you've got Derwin James. He missed 11 games last year. Mm -hmm. They signed Chris Harris. You've got Kenneth Murray for a first round pick. And, you know, you've got 
Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. And I just think there's a chance where that defense could be really good this year, hopefully if they stay healthy. And that's my question is like, can their team ride their defense enough? Because I don't think their offense can do it. Mm-hmm. But if they, they provide the opportunity for the offense just to make a couple plays and not lean on them is, is my key out. thing. The Chargers are one of the most puzzling teams in the NFL for like the past decade. They, mm-hmm. they confound me, especially these past few seasons where the team was almost the exact same build last year as they were the year before when they made the playoffs. And yet the results were drastically different as to how the season went. And it, and it makes me wonder, because I, I agree, I very much like the defensive build. And I even like a lot of the pieces on offense. I think the offensive line struggled last year, but that was partially because of just preseason injuries to some of their starters. And then you've got some good weapons. I like Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen is good. You got um, well, I'm a tra- uh, Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. You've got pieces. And so why wasn't it working? Why did it? Why was it not finding success in years past? Which brings me to believe, why should I have faith in this team now that you don't have a veteran quarterback there running the offense anymore? Which brings me to my question. Does a mobile QB make that much of a difference in an Anthony Lynn offense? Because ever since Anthony Lynn came in to start coaching the Chargers, the thing was is that everybody knew he preferred a mobile quarterback. And newsflash, Phillip Rivers is not a mobile quarterback. So now he's got two of them. He's got Tyrod Taylor, and he's got Justin Herbert, who although is big, is known to be able to use his feet to make some plays. Is that going to change how this team just looks for the entire season? Because they – they lost so many games last year that confounded me with how talented they are. Do, does that make a difference any now that they have the kind of quarterback that Anthony Lynn wants to run? I don't know. I, this team confuses me every year. I, I agree. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to be honest. And I think that's a, that's a great question for the chargers. And I don't even know what to expect from them this year. Cause it could go yeah. either way, which it goes either way for them all the time. Yeah. It's always good a coin. So, but I've got, I've got the Raiders up next. And I know, you know, we, you mentioned it earlier about trying not to ask so many QB-related questions, but it's hard. And I think this is, uh, is how much longer for Derek Carr because if they're choosing Derek Carr or Gruden, they're going to choose Gruden, obviously. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a quote hit of Derek Carr saying he's tired of being disrespected. And stuff like that. And I know he's still got three years remaining on his like five year contract and mm-hmm. it's like 125 million extension. Like he's an expensive QB right, relatively right. and stuff. And then there's been quotes about Gruden uh, commenting on, uh, you know, him throwing dink and dunk passes. And he was saying that that bubble screens and check downs only go so far with me. And I, I just <laughs> don't know how long he's got in there and I I kind of like Derek Carr but I don't think Gruden's the most patient guy in there and I I think I could see them going for another QB and I was I honestly would have loved if they signed Cam this year but that's that would have been really interesting it would have been fun to see what Gruden could have done with him but yeah I was tempted to also go with the Derek Carr question but instead I'm going to go slightly different and go is Henry Ruggs the best receiver in this draft class because he was the first one taken off the board Mm-hmm. and I don't I'm not convinced he's better than Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb and 
Yeah, and then, of course, there's always the later round receivers that there's always one that's primed to break out as well, especially in as deep of a class that was this past draft class. Uh, I'm curious, though, because going back to the whole number one receiver makes your team, makes your entire wide receiving core better, they kind of need him to be that way. They kind of need Ruggs to be that double man guy. They need him to be like a Tyree Kill that he's kind of drawn up to be. Can he do that? Because if he can, there's no excuse for Derek Carr. This should be, he should be having one of his best seasons of his career this year. He's got Josh Jacobs. He's got a decent line. He's got some wide receiving pieces that are there for him. The defense is looking pretty good. This is a playoff team. It's Derek Carr's to take if Henry Ruggs is as good as they drafted him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I honestly, I don't know if there's a huge difference between those three wide receivers. Because mm-hmm. I think obviously we know there were studs in this in this draft class, yeah, at yeah. wide receiver. So it will be interesting to see which wide receiver ends up being the best, and hopefully Derek Carr will be able to pull together. I I honestly think he'll be out of there if he doesn't. Yeah. But we've got the Broncos, and then when I was researching the Broncos, trying to find a a question for them, all I all I kept on coming up uh, was like, there's a lot of hype on Drew Locke for some reason. Oh yeah, and lots of it. Lots of it. It was insane. I was kind of shocked. There is an article on ESPN. It was Broncos get the real Drew Locke with swag in year two. Mm-hmm. And then there is uh, another title, one that was Broncos QB Drew Locke does a lot of cool S word with his arm, says NFL exec. So my question is, is the hype real for Drew Locke? Mm-hmm. I know he went forward one in his starts last year, but I, I was shocked. I was like, I didn't know there was this much hype around him, honestly. And then when I started reading, I was like, man, the, the people covering this team seem in love with him. The teammates seem like they really like him. And I think that'll be interesting to see because I don't, I don't follow the Broncos super closely, but it'll be interesting to see if those reporters and the team and the people putting out the information are correct about being excited about Drew Locke's second year. Yeah, this is one of the questions where, you know, I try to avoid just saying – does it's all up to the quarterback, but this is one where it really is the question. You, you got a defense that really turned a script this past season with Vic Vangio there, helping them get back to their their previous form when they were winning the Super Bowl. Uh, they're good there. You got some good pieces now at wide receiver. You've now got a great situation where you're going to debate between who's better, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay at running back. You, you've got some pieces there. And you've got an offensive line that's a little shaky. You have some question marks there. But my question is, how does Drew Locke handle the rigors of a full season? Especially with some tough matchups. They got the, they got the NFC South, if I remember correctly, that they have to play up against. They have each other. The AFC West is insanely competitive. This is a tough, tough division to be a part of. And then you've got the AFC East, which, yeah, it's not as it's not the same without the Patriots being dominant, but now you've got the Bills that you have to be up against. You've got a growing defense in Miami, and, and we'll see how the Patriots' defense looks with those missing parts, but Bill Belichick seems to make it work always. Um, can Drew Locke handle a 16-game season? Because, yeah, 4-1 and one was pretty impressive last year, and it was pretty cool how confident he looked, but can he look that confident after he has a bad game or two? Because they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see. And then finally, our last team, the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. And my my question is pretty simple is, can they run it back? 
The last time we had a back-to-back champion was in 2005 with the Patriots. It's done, it's done eight times before, but like obviously it happened more. And it's been over a decade since the last time. And mm-hmm. I think they can do it. It's challenging. Obviously, they've got tons of talent on both sides of the ball to make plays, to make probably some of the best skills position players in the NFL are on this team. Yeah. And I think I think they can, but I I I don't necessarily hope they can. I guess out of the AFC I'd be fine with them winning it again because I like Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. But is are they gonna be able to do it? Is is obviously the their biggest question. Well my question kind of takes that and and hints at how I feel it is. My question is who or what is gonna stop them? Because at this moment I don't see a reason why the Chiefs don't win the AFC again. The Ravens are a really good team. Uh, they, they could pose a good threat. But that offense is phenomenal. And they only got better with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being added to it. Mm-hmm. And the defense has still got all those pieces. They were able to wrap up Chris Jones. They still got Frank Clark. You've got a secondary that's in a year two now of growing and becoming better. I just don't see how this Chiefs team – does not win the AFC again unless we see a surgent team come up to compete with them or if they get plagued with injuries or if just some other if some other tragic thing happens I mean who knows COVID-19 could hit any one of these teams and they have to step out of the league I don't know I'm not wishing that upon anyone yeah I'd hate for that to happen especially to a, a team vying for a Super Bowl but at this point I don't see any reason why not go back to the Super Bowl at least go back to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and I, I think they would win it again yeah and I and I there's stories out there like question people questioning you know has Patrick Mahomes peaked like people don't peak this early all the time oh like could gosh. he get better <laughs> like it's like that thought it's like you know last year he's like yeah I'm just starting to learn to read defenses like he's doing it on talent alone and not yeah. you know brains all that like I'm not saying he's like not using his brain but like the more he's in the league like is he going to be able to like, you know, read the defense earlier on? And it's, those yeah. are scary questions. He hasn't played football for that long. Like you know, when you think about most NFL quarterbacks, so the guy is incredible. Yeah. I, that's, that's a terrifying thing to see. And I, I think they have a chance at it, but that that's going to wrap it up for our first episode of first and moose. I thought it was super fun today and it was, yeah, it was fun. It. Good stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Connor Taylor. Alongside me today was Mark Schoenster. We're going to be here every week on Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere you listen to podcasts, or if you're listening on the air Tuesdays at 10 a.m. to 11. So thank you for listening and you can catch us next week. Bye.